De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're going to talk about the evolution of the modern B2B buying process and the best practices for scaling your team. Joining us is Dara Fitzpatrick, who is the Chief Revenue Officer at Rollworks which is the account-based marketing platform designed for the needs and ambitions of B2B companies. Powered by proprietary data and machine learning, Rollworks empowers teams to identify target accounts, reach key buyers across multiple channels, and confidently grow revenue. And today, Dara and I are gonna talk about the modern B2B buying process. Okay, here's my conversation with Dara Fitzpatrick, the Chief Revenue Officer at Rollworks. Dara, finally, welcome to the podcast. Doug, thank you for having me on. Excited for the conversation today. Well, Dara, I have to say, this is one of my favorite topics. I really appreciate you bringing it up. So what I wanted to get is an idea of what the before and after picture looks like in your head, Dara, right? So talk to me about the modern B2B buying process and how it differs from buying processes of the past. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that come to mind here, Doug. I think, firstly, if you look at the market uh, today, let's take marketing technology and sales technology, which is very close to, to what Rollworks is involved, is th- there is a very noisy market out there. And I think with a, with a lot of noise in the market, you get a huge amount of inundation of buyers with outreach from companies of all sizes. And I think I experience that myself as a CRO, that my inbox and LinkedIn are constantly getting hit with salespeople who are trying to engage with me through various different channels. And I think that doesn't seem to be going away. And I think if you look in the last 10 years, there's definitely been an investment in really efficient upper funnel activity. And I think at times, what has that led to is that, in my opinion, companies haven't necessarily invested enough in creating a buying experience that really stands out. And I think, you know, what a lot of what I think about at the moment are, I really want companies when they engage with our sales team, whether they buy or not, that they turn around and say, that was a good experience and I learned something. Because I I think if you look at what is available to people today in terms of information online, there's a huge amount of research that they can do. You've got all of these different review sites, huge amount of thought leadership conferences that are kind of starting back up. And I think then when people come to engage with a company about buying software, I think they're probably more informed than they were. I think as a result, oftentimes they don't want to enter into a long labored process that this company has has designed. I think they want two things. One is they want to be informed and move at the pace that reflects where they are. But secondly, I think they want to learn something. 
And I think that's something that, you know, for us here, we're talking a lot about when we engage with, you know, buyers who are spending three, four hours speaking with us, are they leaving more informed than when they came in? And does that give them better confidence that they should go and buy from us? So I think, you know, if you think back, I remember I bought software six or seven years ago and, you know, I was very ill-informed going into the buying process. We did a four-month evaluation and that doesn't inc- include procurement or anything. It's more just the, the length of conversations. I've the had. buying team itself. Yeah, yeah, the, the buying team itself. Whereas I think today you have a lot of companies who come in and say, here's what I know. Here's what I want to make a decision. I'm going to do this evaluation in this amount of time, you know, let's go. And I think there's a lot of companies who are winning and losing based on the experience that they've created. So, Indira, I have to say, it really makes me happy to hear what you just said. And if you listen to any of the Revenue Generator podcast episodes, you know that this is really one of my favorite topics because I feel like we're doing such a great disservice to the people that are out there trying to solve a problem. In other words, our buyers And so this focus on this idea of education and just making sure that your sales team is imparting a great experience is refreshing. It's refreshing because, Dara, you're the CRO of a company and there's tremendous pressure on you to hit numbers, to make those numbers. And it would just be very easy to throw the kitchen sink at those prospects. So thank you for that. That's my first thing. So cheers. I want to give you a double high five. The other thing I want to ask you, though, is do you feel like you saw an acceleration of this transition to a new selling and buying process? with the pandemic or did you feel like it was more of the same? I do think there was an acceleration of it. I think a few things drove it. When I think back to 2019, living in New York, I was flying all over the, the States and you really had this, for particularly for larger deals that you were trying to sign, that was almost like a part of the buying process. If you look at where we are today, you've got people spread all over. You know, some people are, are in the office, some people are working remote. And I think you do have a lot of people now who are able to consume information, jump on the phone quickly, run, you know, what is hopefully a, a, a efficient process and not have to have to rely on in person. But I, I even think if the pandemic hadn't happened. I do think that either way over a number of years, I do think that companies who had sales processes that were very internal and focused on how we need to operate in our company, I do think we're ultimately going to start to come under pressure because I think like in technology of innovation, I think you're getting more and more innovation in sales process. And like, I love nothing more than when our team comes to me and say, Hey, why don't we try this? Like, could we go and test this with prospects? Like, be it give them snippets of the product early or be it test a new framework for discovery, like anything related to that. I'm like, and that's one of our big investment areas that I'm driving with the team at the moment. So yeah, I think in summary, I believe it it would have happened, but I think the pandemic removing a lot of the in-person, I think probably accelerated it a bit more than before. And I feel like sales teams are still sort of scrambling to catch up. I do feel like you've got this, well, if I can only get on the plane and close the deal, thing happening. And and obviously, it depends on the price point, right? So if you're at a mid-market account of 10K deal, you're not going to pop on a plane. But, you know, knowing a bit about Rollworks, you've got some big enterprise accounts you guys have to service. So there's a big transition. Let me throw a couple numbers out there that'll validate your approach and, you know, what the experience and buyers are experiencing writ large. So the first is, this is a little bit old, so I think the numbers probably changed. But a few years back, Gartner described the B2B buying process as being completely non-linear, right? At one point, it was somewhat linear. And they were saying that sales organizations are exposed to about 17% of the buying process. And to your point, Dara, 
buyers are showing up and they're pretty informed, right? They've got this wealth of information. It used to be only the wealthy, meaning larger corporations could afford Gartner and Forrester to help them in the journey. Well, guess what? We have a G2 crowd and trust radius. So people have a pretty good idea what's going on. The other number I'll throw out there, which probably won't shock you, and this is, I think, Forrester, 77% of people that were surveyed post-buying experience said it was either difficult or complex, right? So here we are, sellers and marketers, we've really created a bit of a hole for ourselves at the end of the day that we've got to work around. So what I've got to do here for us is continue to paint this picture, I think, Dara, of before and after. So you did a great job. You talked about how we used to get on a plane. What are some other kind of before versus after aspects that you've experienced as a sales leader? If I look at before, actually, let me take after first. If I think of today, I think you have to be very nimble in assessing where the prospect is at in their understanding of what you do and the space that you're in. And that can be a real skill, right? Because if you think about sellers today, they get onto the phone with a potential buyer. If they don't understand and want to meet them where they are, and they start going back to almost the step one of the sales process back in, in 2018, where they're like, I'm going to try do 20 discovery questions and you know understand where you are with everything. That can frustrate the buyer. So I think it does require your salespeople to be agile and say, okay, now I understand how informed you are when you want to make the decision. I have to have a flexible sales process. It's like when someone comes and says, what's the budget? Salespeople have been taught in the past, don't tell them the price, keep the price until you, until you show the value. But I think because people have done so much research, you know, that's a good example where now I encourage our sales team, give them a range, right? Don't give them the exact price, but say for a company your size, it's going to be in this, in this range. As you go through this process, which is going to look like these three meetings and four meetings, we will then go in and discuss price and here's what it's, what it's going to be. I think before you probably had a, a lot of salespeople who were meeting prospects very, very early. They hadn't done a huge amount of research. So they would do deep discovery, a huge amount of education. And they could probably have, you know, if they were selling 10 deals, they might look relatively similar. Where now our, I talk to our sales team and they're like, I've got this deal that's running like this. We've got this deal that you know, wants to do a completely different type of evaluation. And, and we've got to be much more flexible now than I think maybe you did in the past. That's also huge, right? And you're exactly, it can tell you I was a horrible sales leader, but when I did it, I was like, you hold that price back, right? You hold that price back until the bloody end, right? So the other piece I want to understand here is, and this is also something that's always fascinating to me is, you're really demanding a certain level of experience for the buyer, right? You're demanding that your teams provide, basically be a where the buyer is in the process, as opposed to trying to force them into where you are, where you want them to be in the process. Are there technologies and tools that you count on in your RevTech stack to help? And I'm thinking off the top of my head, conversational intelligence software, there's a lot out there these days, Kong. This is one of the leaders out there as an example. So is there software you depend on here? Like we've actually used Chorus in the past and we look at it, we look at it quite heavily. The, the other thing that we're really trying to understand with our team is, let's say when they get in first conversation with a prospect, how quickly that they can understand, like, when is this buying evaluation process? Like, are they working towards a given date? And actually just using a lot of Salesforce reporting, understanding how accurate are we in aligning with someone about their willingness to buy and what date they want to buy on. So we do use a lot of like, we've got a, a really good sales ops team. So we use a lot of like standard Salesforce reporting, but I would say on the, the conversational side, Gong is the one that we use much more to get a better understanding 
of you know how our teams are doing. We've set up playlists. We review them regularly. We coach managers. Everything that goes into that as well. Okay. I also have to say, I, I feel like there's a certain amount of just good management that you're having to exercise as well, right? Technology is not going to be the complete lift. What kind of messaging are you sharing with your direct reports who ultimately are responsible for those bigger teams? What are you telling them? How are you driving this kind of effort towards that better experience? I think one, so there's a few things here. One, I think you have to be transparent to the team that you want to evolve and change the buying experience. Because sometimes I think salespeople can get into a habit. And once you're in your habit, you want to present these slides at this stage, you want this talk track. And I think what I try to do is I, you know, I try to run a really transparent organization where I would say, here are our conversion rates at every stage for every team and for every rep. And then I would say, we need to go, and I would share feedback that we've gotten from prospects about things they liked and didn't like. So I think one, you've got to get buy-in on that actual change that you want to go and implement within the organization. I think the the second thing that, that I try to do is to break down exactly what the changes are and how you're going to roll them out. Because sometimes people naturally, they think about big changes in the sales process and they think, is this going to make me less successful than I than I am today? And particularly if it's a real overhaul. So you know, we're going through some changes at the moment. And I've been working with, with Sean Cook, who's our new VP of sales on, you know, let's get the sequencing right. Let's pick the, the two or three things starting that we think can have a real impact on conversion rates. And let's do that really well. And communicate that to sellers. And then, and then secondly, you'll say in June, July, in this stage, we were actually going to uh, roll out a completely new way of doing it. The other thing that I always encourage sales leaders to do is to, if you want a new approach of changing a buying experience, pilot it with a handful of kind of seasoned reps. And uh, we're doing that actually in, in Q2. And then we will, you know, source feedback from the prospect and, you know, see, see did it resonate, did it not? So I think those are, those are some of the things that, that we try to do. And the, the last one I would say related to it is like involving multiple functions. Like this is something that I would talk to Randy, who's our, who's our CMO, Demetrius, who runs our operations team, Mike runs partnerships. I need them all to understand that what we have today is not going to get us to where we want to get to in, in 12 months time. So I love the playbook, Dara. Thanks for sharing that with me. And, and I have to say, I think that we owe the audience some explanation of what the new B2B buying process is with the modern processes. So I'm going to go through a list. Darren, you, you can give me single word answers. Or you can expand if you want, but I'm going to go through a list of things that for me tend to be these hallmarks of the new B2B buying process, right? So the first thing is digital is now the new front door. Agree? Agree. Okay, fantastic. Typically, your B2B buyer doesn't actually want to buy. Like they're not in it for the fun. Oh, correct. <laughs> okay. All right. You hesitated for a moment there, Dara. I was listening for a story about fun and selling and fun and buying. No, I, I, you know, they, because uh, I was talking about it and someone was saying that they thought I would be a nightmare to sell to because I'm, I'm very interested in technology. So if someone's going to come and sell to me, I'm going to ask them a lot of questions on the ins and outs of, the, of like every part of the product. So maybe I'm the person who like, I actually kind of enjoy when we're buying because I'm, I'm learning, but I'm probably a pain at the same time. So yeah, it's either that or you're a masochist. It's one of the two as we yeah, know. Well, I'll let you decide. <laughs> I'll let the audience decide. Yeah, the audience. Uh, I have a feeling they, they just think you're a great sales leader. But okay, so Dara, let's keep going through the list. 
the experience itself is king. I think you're going to agree vigorously, right? And quite often you're talking about the selling experience beginning with that first interaction with your sales organization. Agreed. Thumbs up. Okay, great. Selling is a lot more complex, right? It's a much more team sport based activity. It used to be about the you know, sales guy that could close anything or sales girl that could close anything that could sell, as we say in the US, sell snow to Eskimos. It's now a team sport, right? It's much more complex. Most definitely. We actually have a team selling hours, a hashtag associated with it because we try to involve our marketing leaders, our SDR leader, Danilo. So like, if, if I look at all of our deals, particularly mid-market and, and enterprise, you know, you would have minimum three people on a deal internally. Minimum three. So then we're talking about bigger buying teams, typically six, maybe seven people, especially for bigger deals. Yeah. Yeah. And for us, that's minimum three on our side. But for the larger deals, yeah, you'd be talking on our side, six, seven, and same on their side, minimal. So for the folks that are listening in, Dara, that are slapping their heads in shock, actually, maybe that's more surprise. What advice would you give to them to start the process of embracing this new selling process? Or are they already looking for a job and there's no point? I think for, uh, if you think away, well, one is, I think you have to accept that it's going to change, it should change, and change can be a good thing. So that's your starting point. I think, I think secondly, I would focus a lot on those like call number one and call number two, and just say like, what happens in call number one and call number two? And instead of saying like, what does our sales team, you know what, don't focus internally and say, you know, what does the buyer experience on, on one or two? What do they want to experience? And you're always going to have things that you you need to gather, right? There's, there's never like, it can't be just, they're going to have the most wonderful call of their life. I think, but I, I think you do need to understand like what is important to them on call one and two. And the, within that, I would say, work out the questions that you have to ask and know, because sometimes the danger is in those opening calls that salespeople have like 20 questions, 25 questions that they're going to ask, and they may never use the information of 10 of them. So, you know, my, my view is always, if you're going to ask a question, it should relate to something that either you're going to impart wisdom on them or use later in the sales process in a recommendation. So, yeah, I, I think I would say, you know, one, understand and embrace that the change and change can be good. Two, just what does the buyer want and what does that look like in the opening stages? And then three, what are the types of questions that you need to understand? And then I think phase two is much more about how do you build flexibility into the buying process? How do you ensure that the prospect's getting value? Those are the ones that, you know, if you want to get more advanced that you have to think about, in my opinion. Dara, that's a great answer. Thank you. I really appreciate your time today. You know, we edged up to this idea of customer experience. I'd love to have you come back and talk a bit more about that, that idea of experience and how we make it better. Yeah, I'd love to, Doug, and thanks for having me. You got it. Fantastic. Okay, well, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Dara Fitzpatrick, Chief Revenue Officer at Rollworks, for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Dara and I are going to talk about customer experience versus customer success. If you can't wait until our next episode, would like to learn more about Dara, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can visit his company website at rollworks.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, shame on you. Head over to RevGenPod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions 
which we'll answer live on the show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also contact me directly. My handle is MarketAdvocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. We'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.